0: have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, all my fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets episode 19. We've got a very exciting episode this week because my conversation this week is with one of my favorite people on this planet, if not my favorite person on this planet, and that is my older sister. I have been wanting to have her on the podcast to compare notes, basically, of how we grew up and diet culture within our households um, and kind of hear her experience growing up and how it was different than mine and maybe how it was similar to mine. I've been wanting to do this for a while and I'm so happy that I had the chance to actually sit down with her. It was literally during her child's nap time and in the middle of her workday. My sister is a fucking superhero. She's working from home. She's a boss bitch. She runs a company and she has two kids, one of whom is doing remote school, which is quite an operation and the other that is about a year old. And I've been going over there during the day sometimes just helping keep everyone organized, making sure that my sister is able to work, um, watching the baby while my other nephew does his remote school. So we finally had an opportunity, a window during her busy, hectic workday, it wasn't as long as I would have liked, but that's the reality of being a working mom. I had to I had to get in there during her free window of time, and then, oh, the baby's up. We have to go get the baby. And so we really didn't get to go in depth. We really barely scratched the surface, but it was still so interesting to hear from her, her experience growing up with the same parents that I did and the way that those messages were received about thinness and food and body image. Also, it was very eye-opening to hear some of her anecdotes about becoming a mom and how the way that she perceived her body changed and how much importance that she placed on being physically fit changed out of necessity just based on... The demanding job of being a mother. And we even talked about certain phrases and certain wives tales, so to speak, that people say about pregnancy and motherhood that are really not true at all and don't apply to everybody. And this is something that I'm noticing more and more. I don't have any children, but some of my friends are starting to have children. And I've noticed that the way that people talk to pregnant women is the way that a 12-year-old boy would talk to a girl at a middle school dance. They just have no idea what to say. So they end up saying all these awkward things um, and commenting on how they carry. I mean, I was with a friend recently who was very pregnant. I think at the time she was eight months pregnant. She actually just had her baby this morning. So congratulations, Bianca, your baby girl is so beautiful, but she was pregnant at the time and we were at a wedding, an outdoor wedding, and we went up to the bar and the bartender asked what we wanted to drink. And I said, uh, we want two margaritas, but make one a virgin or whatever drink we got. And she made the virgin And she didn't know which one of us to hand it to. So I said, oh, the drink is for her. She's pregnant. And the bartender immediately said, oh, I couldn't even tell. You're so skinny. Definitely meaning it as a compliment. But I just, I noticed it. It stuck out so much to me because it it's like something that we feel we need to tell a pregnant person is that they look good. Um, and that's probably because, you know, pregnant women have a lot of anxiety about their body changing and we feel the need to put their mind at ease. But I find it a little bit inappropriate to talk about how much weight a woman has gained in pregnancy or how they're carrying. You know, some people will say, you don't even look pregnant from behind, which is like the most obvious thing ever because your uterus is in the front of your body. So obviously you're not going to look pregnant from behind. And another one that I hear is, oh, you must be having a girl because girls take away your beauty. I don't know if any of you have ever heard that before, but I have heard it. It was said to my cousin when she was having a girl that her girl was stealing her beauty. Not only do I think that's incredibly rude to say to someone, but it's also kind of implying that we need to be in competition with each other, even our own fetus, which is extremely fucked up that you would already be commenting on the fact that your fetus is younger and fresher and more beautiful and vital than you when she hasn't even been born yet. Absolutely bananas. So we get into all of that. I have talked about my sister. I've talked about growing up with a, quote, perfect sister before. And it's something that I I feel like probably other people can relate to, just always comparing yourself to your siblings and seeing them as these perfect beings. And with my sister, it was so exaggerated because she was voted, I think, most adorable in her senior yearbook. She went to prom all four years. She always had boyfriends. She did ballet. What more can I say? Yeah, she was just perfect in my eyes. And to be quite honest, she's still perfect in my eyes. I just will always see my sister as this incredible woman because she truly is. My sister is an angel sent down from heaven to save all of us. But when we were growing up, you know, I wouldn't say that I resented her, but I was definitely very jealous and felt, not as good as her because of the way she would be treated and because everybody would always talk about how adorable she was and how petite. And I felt there was a strong emphasis on her being so small and cute. And I never felt like I could measure up to that. And that was a really big struggle. I even remember the turning point for me, which I don't know if I ever told her this, but when my sister was getting married, I was a senior in college. My sister is um, about eight years older than me. So she made me her maid of honor. I was the worst maid of honor in the history of maid of honors, by the way. And it's something that I kind of still feel guilty about to this day that I didn't help out my sister more when I was a bridesmaid. But the thing was, I was in college, and I was so focused on my own thing that I couldn't really plan a bridal shower, and I couldn't really plan a bachelorette party, or even attend the bachelorette party because I wasn't of age. Um, And that's just a side effect of our age difference, I guess. But I have always felt like I didn't really do that good of a job, and but I know that she's not mad at me because my sister does not hold grudges, but. Anyway, Melissa, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry for being the trashiest maid of honor ever. But anyway, we went to this bridal salon to pick out the bridesmaids' dresses when she was getting married. And my mom was there, and she brought one of her oldest friends to the fitting. And I tried on a few different dresses, and I remember hearing my mom and her friend kind of chit-chatting outside of the dressing room. And they were saying things like, oh, this dress would be good for her because it's really good at hiding a belly. It's really good at hiding, you know, fat. (laughs) I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, basically they were saying, you know, this dress would look the best on her because it will hide her big, disgusting body. And it made me feel so horrible that I swear to fucking God, when I went back to school that semester, I got on my first real long-term extreme diet. I ended up that semester losing about 50 pounds and the dress that we ordered at that fitting, I ended up having to cut in half. The tailor cut the dress in half and sewed two sides together to make it fit me. And it was the most drastic change I had ever gone through. The craziest change my body has ever gone through. And that diet was really the first diet that sent me down a path of disordered eating that lasted through my mid-20s. And I don't fault my sister at all for that. She really had nothing to do with that situation. I don't even really fault my mom for that, for saying those things. Because if I didn't have to go through that, and if I didn't end up struggling with disordered eating to the degree that I did, then I would have never felt the need to enter recovery. And I might have not ever learned about intuitive eating. And I might not be doing this podcast right now. So, you know, I I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. I wouldn't say that. But I do think that the struggles that we go through can enrich our lives in the future when we learn how to conquer them. So I'm happy, you know, everything that I went through... Yeah, it would have been easier if I never went through any of that pain, but I'm happy that I did because here I am on the other side and I am happier than I've ever been with myself, with my life, with my food, with my body. I have never felt so carefree and happy and comfortable in my own skin. So I'm happy about about all those experiences, but it, it was Shocking to me to hear some of my sister's experiences because like I say in this conversation, I never even considered the fact that she struggled with her body or negative thoughts about her body in any way. I never thought, because from my perspective, you know, everybody was always telling her that she was doing the right thing, that she looked great. But I think, you know, and and we talked about this a little bit in the last episode with Remy Casimir. I think when people put a lot of pressure on you to be this perfect child, and this carried over into other aspects of my sister's life. I mean, like I said, she was popular in school, but she was also, um, she was in student government. She gave the uh, speech at her high school graduation. She was a cheerleader. She was in so many activities, always such an overachiever. And I think it definitely carried over to her body image that she felt the need to be perfect and please everybody, because that was kind of the role that she was put into. So The older that I've gotten, the more I've grown to understand that and to really have empathy for that. Even though I definitely had my own struggles and I have my own experience and and, which was tough and I had to go through some tough things too. I have so much empathy and admiration for my sister and just how strong she is and how she was able to put on a brave face for me and she practically raised me and my brother because she was the oldest one. And that's just her personality. She's such a giving, generous person. And yeah, I would love to have her back on so that we could talk more about this stuff because it was so much fun and so interesting to me to get her perspective So if you have questions for my sister, either about pregnancy or post-pregnancy or body image as a new mom or anything really, you can DM me. I am at lubination on Instagram. That's L-U-B-I-N A-T-I-O-N. Or you can email me at ripdiets at gmail.com. Also, Join the private Facebook group. If you go to Facebook and you write in the search bar, RIP dieters, you can request to be added. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this show and really all the shows. I love to hear feedback. I love it when you guys start conversations related to the show. It really gets me going. It gets my rocks off. There is nothing that turns me on more. So I would encourage you to do that. And without further ado, here is my conversation with my older sister, Melissa. Enjoy. Where's all my soul, sisters? Let me hear your flow, sisters. Hey, sister, go, sister, soul, sister, flow, sister. Hey guys, my guest today is one that I've been trying to book for so long. She is seriously a hot commodity. Like I don't even know. I I thought maybe I wouldn't even be a big enough name to get this guest, but I'm so glad that I pinned her down. I offered her some compensation and she's here today. Um, my actual biological older sister, Melissa, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. I wasn't sure that you would actually do it, but thank you for coming on.
1: Yes, happy to make the time, but thanks for the introduction. I think it was very appropriate.
0: I hope that I'm paying you enough (laughs) as we speak. Oh, and also when I did a sound check, I realized that we sound so similar on this recording. So I hope that people can tell the difference. It's weird because- I feel like in real life, we sound different. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like we used to pick up the phone and people would think, like, mix us up with each other, but I don't think we actually sound that similar.
1: I think we do. I think we might not think so, but if you ever leave me a message or I hear you on a video, then I realize how much we do sound the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's not just our voice. I think it's also our cadence and mannerisms and stuff. It's freaky. It's freaky. Genetics is like very freaky. We're all like science experiments. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable.
1: Agreed. Actually.
0: Yes. Like like when I realize that mom or dad like points the same way that I do, I'm like, "Mm, I need to change that. (laughs) Like, I don't know. My first instinct is like, I need to adjust. But you
1: can't. But you can't. You can't escape it. It's so
0: ingrained in you, which kind of ties into what we're talking about today. By the way, there is, um, a baby sleeping in the next room. So, if, you know, one of us has to get up in the middle, just bear with us. I will we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, he'll stay asleep, but I've been helping you out watching your little baby for the past couple weeks um because of remote schooling and I won't like get into too much detail, but I don't understand how you do it. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I probably look like a dead person. I probably sound like a dead person. I don't understand. I'm like starting to reassess, like, do I just have dogs for my entire life or because I don't know, 24 hours a day, I can barely do five hours a day and
1: not be exhausted. I know. Helping me out is an understatement. You've been a lifesaver. Um, this whole operation is only working because you stepped in to add an extra hand, so thank you. But no, no, not dogs only. It will be worth it, I promise. I don't know,
0: man. I mean, yeah, I, listen, like, I'm a strong bitch. Like, I could have one baby, but two is not, I just don't, it's not doable. It's, it's so, also my boyfriend comes from a family of six children Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, what must that have been like? Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't think, are you even a person after that? I don't know. But do you feel like, do you feel like you've been able to maintain your identity or do you get kind of lost in like, I am a mom now I do mom things. Do you know what I mean? Cause like the second somebody becomes a mom, Now your entire life revolves around the kid.
1: Uh, I definitely did not feel like I had completely lost my identity before the pandemic. I do feel like that a lot more so right now. It's just the moment that we're in. I do have to do a lot more. I'm here all the time. When I got out, went to work you know, had lunches and could more easily schedule dinners with my friends. No, I still very much felt like I had my identity and being a mom was adding to and enriching that identity. But um as of late, yeah, it does feel different. Um, but I'm hopeful that it will it will go back um to, to a little bit more of a happy balance eventually.
0: Yeah. Well it's hard too because when you go into I when when you go into work every day, it's hard to not see them for the whole day. So I guess it's kind of a trade off. Like if somebody would have told you a year ago that you could stay home all the time, you probably would have jumped for joy. But now with the situation that we're currently in, it's not such a fairy tale.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I w- love being home with them, but home under these circumstances is not ideal for anyone. You know, you're a kindergartner learning at home only, not having a classroom environment and being so responsible for their learning is very hard. Um, but seeing them more is is awesome. And so, yeah, trying to enjoy it while... Um, still knowing it's very hard and trying to give myself a break from not being able to do it perfectly or even well. <laughs> no, you're doing, you do such a
0: great job. You have so much patience. This woman- I do have a lot of patience. This woman has more patience on her worst day than I do on my best day, but I'm
1: working on No, that. but you're amazing with kids. That's the thing. It's. I think you know more about- how to handle it well now Oliver's five so a zero to a five-year-old then than a lot of people with kids do but um yeah you heard You're it incredible. Here first, <laughs> folks well certainly than I did when I first had a baby you now have learned everything yeah I mean it it really is a skill
0: and a lot of people don't have it so I feel like I feel good you should but yeah who knows who knows if I'm even fertile anyway <laughs> Let's, we're going to circle back to that, but I kind of want to, I kind of want to go back to the beginning. I thought it would be interesting to have you on the pod because obviously I talk about my personal experience growing up in the household that we did and, and whatever, but I know for a fact that you had a slightly different experience. And I would love to know, you know, how you felt about, um, the culture around food and body image in our house when we were growing up?
1: Yeah, I would say that, of course, our individual experiences were different. Um, And you might think that the message might have been very different for you than it was for me. But the truth is, when I look back, I feel the message around food and body image was very much the same
0: and what do you think
1: that was um I always had a fear of being fat getting fat gaining weight fat was bad skinny was good that was definitely the overarching message um and i know when i look back i've been thinking about it a lot the last few years and i didn't realize it um you know pr- prior to learning more about intuitive eating and really trying to work on myself and my own body image i i really hadn't realized from what a young age that message was received but after a lot of a lot of thought Uh, I realize it it dates back to such a young age. Um, Can you think of
0: anything in particular?
1: Yeah. Definitely by the time – I was trying to remember by the time I was 8 or 10 at the oldest, I remember um, I'd have my yearly checkup at the doctor, and I remember year after year the doctor would – you know, show me the graph, show me those charts, you know, and say, look, you know, average for your height and age is this, you're underweight, but that's okay. You've always been underweight. So it's just you. It's just how you're built. Um, But it stuck with me so much. It was so deep. I remember gearing up for my yearly checkup every year and thinking to myself, they're gonna weigh me they're gonna show me the chart am I still going to be underweight I hope I'm still underweight if I'm
0: oh so it was like a good thing to oh, you yeah oh that's so interesting
1: because I thought it was a good thing at the time yeah
0: well like that yeah that's so interesting I don't remember them doing that at all I know that that is a thing because they tell you like what percentile or maybe they don't I, I like I know what percentile your sons are in. You know what I mean? So I know that is a thing. I just don't remember th- anybody doing that for me. But um but I do remember going to the doctor was and still is like the most terrifying, like viscerally terrifying thing. Um because I had so many traumatic experiences at the doctor and like on my way to the doctor, but we grew like Melissa was always petite and very thin and just, like, in my parents' eyes, perfect. Like, they would constantly, constantly praise you for the way, like, just how small you were. And I think, you know, maybe in part because they didn't want you to feel bad about being small. But it translated to me as, like, okay, well... They already have the daughter that they want. I don't really understand what I'm doing here. Like, what is my purpose here? Which might sound weird, but that's like how I took it. Was like, they already have the daughter that they want. And I was so not that. I was always taller than the boys and I was always bigger than everybody else that I knew. So it was kind of like, it, it felt, it definitely felt like you're the favorite.
1: I know. Ne- I mean, definitely. I can see how you felt that way. I know it was not, you know, they already have the one. What am I doing here? They wanted even more, you know, love and awesomeness. And um, yeah, I think,
0: you know, it goes deeper. It definitely goes deeper. Our parents got divorced when I was like a year old. So that's that's also part of it, I think, is like, OK, like I probably wasn't even supposed to be here type of thing. Which now I know is not true, but you can't just not feel those things. Of course. It, and, and a lot of it is, you know, it it's not necessarily their fault either. It's just like an unfortunate thing that happens in your brain, I think. Um, could they have been doing things differently to make sure that I didn't feel that way? Probably, but at the same time... They didn't really know about a lot about this stuff. They were just doing the best they could for the most part. So, but it's interesting. It's interesting because I didn't think, I just never thought that you like w- necessarily worried about food and body and stuff like that. I just never thought that that was something that you had to worry about.
1: No, I worried about it all the time. I realize now, even when I was even when I was young and tiny, I, I, because I, I I was also thinking a lot about this in preparation for the podcast. I, I have been, you know, remembering things over the past few years, but I think a lot about two. I think I was maybe twelve. I remember um, one summer on, on a summer trip. I remember if if we had a going uh, it was a teen tour if we were going to the beach that day i remember thinking you know, i can't eat breakfast if we're going to the beach i wouldn't eat anything before i had to be in a bathing suit and and it probably started even before that was there like a culture of other girls doing similar things or did you not really talk about it it was just i don't remember talking about it it was always in me it was always in me um maybe it had a lot to do with ballet yeah melissa was in ballet for Several years,
0: I think a lot of it was, uh, uh, like a lot of it was modeled behavior, because, and I don't want to like I don't want to like shit talk people too much because they might hear this, but it's not like, and I've had to wrestle with this so much, like how much do I share? Like obviously I respect everybody in my family, I love my family very much, but this this podcast is very personal to me, so I'm kind of like. I'm going to share things from my perspective, the way that I saw them and I'm not saying anything that's not true to me. Um so that's kind of how I think about it, you know? But for me like a lot of my food behavior was modeled by our mom and she always had weird rituals around food. It used to be like kind of a joke that she hid food under the bed we would laugh about it joke about it all the time I don't really remember her eating breakfast so like you know like I remember her being a nighttime eater like she would eat at night she didn't really eat during the day Um, which is definitely something that I harbored like into adulthood is like okay try not to eat during the day and then you can eat at night and not be nervous about how much you eat but really that would backfire on me and then I would binge at night which like created a whole cycle but I when I think about like the origin it goes back to like what I would see mom do
1: yeah I'm sure I'm sure of it it's funny I don't I don't have a lot of memories about what her eating or behaviors were like I'm sure that you do and I realize that you would probably have heed into that and remember that more it's more for me all of the anecdotes about her you know oh she can eat a whole package of oreos in one sitting and never gain weight oh something that has been repeated to me over and over by several different family members is oh she gave birth to you and she left the hospital a week later wearing her pre-maternity jeans ah! That's one. Yeah, no, she said ones. she only gained 15 pounds when she was pregnant with yeah. you or something. But that she ate muffins and ice cream every single day.
0: Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. They say that Melissa was made of muffins and frozen yogurt. And it, and it, you know
1: what? It might be true. It might not be true. I, I think the jeans thing must be true because many people said it to me. But I do think there's something about these anecdotes that can get stuck in your head and you know maybe it was one time she ate a whole package of oreos or maybe it was you know but you remember the food under the bed i don't really are you serious i remember the halloween candy oh the
0: hall yeah she used to steal our halloween candy (laughs) but like listen I i don't judge her for that because i would do the same thing like the kids aren't gonna eat all the halloween candy i'm gonna get in on that plus i probably helped Buy slash make their costumes. Like this is this is payback. But we wanted some of it. But she didn't eat all of it. She would eat all mine. The key is you have to eat it on Halloween. Yeah. you have to eat as much as you possibly can on Halloween. Just kidding, guys. I don't condone binge eating. This is it's so hard. Like I can't make jokes without people being like, "You're contradicting yourself." But anyway, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, she said she only gained fifteen pounds when she was pregnant with you. I've heard her say that before. Which is kind of like, it's kind of funny because, like, you are tiny. I mean, our dad is tiny, too. Fun fact, our dad is significantly shorter than our mom.
1: Yes. Because he's a player. (laughs) Yeah, he's a pretty cool cat. I have wondered that before. I have teased her about that before. Maybe I wouldn't have been so diminutive if you... Well, actually, it's funny that you say that, though, because
0: there was one so i i was going through a box of old photos this was years ago but i found a photo of of mom and i was like oh we we look so alike in this picture and so i took a picture of it on my phone and i guess at like the next family gathering i was showing it to our aunt i was like look i found this picture this old picture of mom we look so similar in this picture isn't this crazy and our aunt was like she, she was like I think she's pregnant in that picture. Her face is so round. And I was like, easy. <laughs> it's typical. Gag me with a spoon. Yeah. And like that side of the family is particularly rough around food. And like really like constantly. Like they would ask me what diet I was on all the time. And I'd, I would be like. Why do you need to know that?
1: The truth of that is, Em, um, is that they knew you were always on a diet and they wanted to make food that you would be able to eat. Yeah, but even after that, and it's it's, it's fine. Again, I'm not... I understand. It became a running thing like, oh, because I was on them too. I remember that. It was like, what are Melissa and Emily eating these days? Well, we, well, we also like, we all did
0: South Beach together. like Mom. The the three women of the house would go on diets together and they never would last for very long. But like I remember that one that we went on South Beach and it was just like ricotta and almond extract and like vanilla extract, like different flavorings on ricotta cheese for weeks. A lot of Splenda. Splenda. And then like either scrambled eggs or scrambled
1: egg whites. I'm not sure. What I do know is that we lost weight on that diet, but we my cholesterol was super high. I went oh, for an annual oh, checkup yeah. and I had high cholesterol as a 22-year-old. That's so
0: so what did I I'm like hesitant, but what did the doctor say to you? Like stop get off this diet?
1: Yes. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, you were so young, too. Yeah. It was a lot of cheese and uh
0: I mean, it's kind of like what Atkins yes, or like what keto it was. is. Mm-hmm. You know, very similar. This it's like a a trend of like the low carb. It it really was like zero carb. Mm-hmm. I because I, I swear to God, all we ate for two weeks was scrambled eggs, turkey bacon, and ricotta cheese. Like I don't remember mm-hmm. anything else. <laughs> so sad. And it's crazy because like after a while, you start to really crave that ricotta cheese. But now I can't eat ricotta cheese. I believe like, it. I couldn't eat ricotta cheese at all for like five years after that. I believe it. So I, I want to go back to – so like I know throughout your 20s, you kind of were always dieting, always heavy into fitness, had a personal trainer, felt a big pressure to like stay thin, stay tiny, and then you had kids and it kind of changed because you didn't have – all the time in the world to like focus on what you're eating and focus on your fitness. And, and also you probably realize like that wasn't so important, but I'm curious what has happened since having kids? Like what, how has your perspective changed and has it presented any problems
1: also? Yes, definitely a lot of problems, um, in terms of body image and, um, being comfortable in my body. Um, yeah, I, I definitely did um, spend a lot of time and energy. I'd say pretty much all of my free time outside of work uh, in my 20s, focusing on what I was eating, exercising, what the latest workout trend was. Um, and I look back now and and I wish I had not <laughs> yeah. spent all of my free time in such a special time in my life worrying about those things. I think that, um, I mean, you touched on it earlier when you, your entire identity is very wrapped up in this definition of yourself as being small. The pressure I felt to stay small was immense. Um it, and I didn't understand during that time, you know, I'm in my 20s now, I'm not still in high school, I'm not going to weigh what I did weigh in high school, but I still felt that I should and I was always striving to get back there. And, you know, I could say at the time, whenever I loved being strong or... I loved being fit or I... Which, like, both things can be true yes, also. I enjoyed working out, which that part was true. I, I did love it. And I do still love it. But the truth was I really only cared about being skinny. Um, yeah. I, I never really cared what my... If I was healthy, great. If I wasn't great, if I was skinny, that's what I cared about. Yeah. And, um And, So, to then go into my thirties and in my early thirties get pregnant, have a baby, um, yeah, it it really sent my whole self image into a tailspin. And um, not so much when while I was pregnant, because I stayed very active. And I stayed very focused on what I was eating, not, mm-hmm. not to my detriment. I remember um, – there's one story I always tell, which is I was pregnant um, with my first son and I was committed in my mind. I will not – I will not waver from what my diet pre-pregnancy was. I will stay on it. I will – um, I, I I won't change my eating habits just because I'm pregnant. I'm gonna have a healthy pregnancy.
0: Which just for the listeners, again, very strict. Like you would eat very um you would pretty much eat the same things like all the time, but very like very like two thousands idea of like what was healthy, like lots of salads, lots of quote, lean protein. Maybe like low grain cereal, like yes, like yes Ezekiel, like that kind of thing. Like it, yeah. it was, and those foods are still popular. I'm not saying they're they're not, but I think now we're moving a little more towards like high fat and things like that. But th- at the time, it was just like a lot of greens, a lot of like
1: chicken. Oh, for sure, yes, and um, I definitely subscribe to the whole quote-unquote clean eating thing definitely like I look back now and I know it was orthorexia and um you know just familiarizing myself with, with what that is now and recognizing it but um yeah definitely and so so you know here I was on my I thought my straight and narrow path and and you know to pregnancy eating righteousness and um I for a week could not stop thinking about chicken parm and pizza, chicken parm and pizza. Over it, it, that, I would I couldn't concentrate on anything else. It was around and around in my head for a week at work, coming home. But I wouldn't let myself eat it. Night after night, I wouldn't let it myself eat it. Come Friday night, I said, "I am gonna order myself a pizza, a whole pizza, uh-huh. and a chicken parm, and I'm gonna eat eat as much of it as I want." And I ate it. And I swear to you, I felt so much better the next day. <laughs> yeah, you scratched the itch. I still felt pregnant, but I felt like I had more energy. I wasn't shaky. I didn't feel weak. I didn't feel tired. And I I think back on that day a lot. Yeah. I, yeah, I've heard you tell that story
0: before. I, uh, side note. Are pregnancy cravings real? Like, do you get, like, these crazy cravings when you're pregnant that you don't normally have? Or is it
1: pretty much the same? I think everyone is different. I think they are real. For me, um, I experienced them exactly like that, what I just described. Once in the first pregnancy and once in the second pregnancy. I thought of this food item and I thought, if I do not eat this, I'm going to die. <laughs> this... <laughs> the second um pregnancy It's a good thing you ate it then. I learned for the second time around it was pad thai. Oh, so good. And I ordered it and I ate it and I was fine. I never thought about it again for the rest of the pregnancy. Wow. I know. That's incredible. Also
0: like I've never I'm trying to think I don't think I've ever seen you eat chicken parm. So I guess it is real.
1: Yeah. Like I know. that's
0: not even a normal food that you would like.
1: No, I like it okay, but it's not my first choice. Yeah. Like the stereotype is that, you know, like a woman
0: wants a smoothie with like pickles in it or something (laughs) like peanut butter and pickles, which actually, um, side note guys, it's really good. Peanut butter and pickles together. I don't know why I just used it as like a weird example. It's actually delicious if you like peanut butter and you like pickles. So what I'm thinking is, and I've heard this before, this is not like my original idea, but it's like. A lot of people or a lot of women when they're pregnant, they are not self-conscious during the pregnancy. They are not, you know, because it's the one time in our life when we are told it's okay to gain weight or you can have these cravings. Um, You're eating for two, you know, that age old adage. But then as soon as you're done with it, People are talking about how fast you snap back and, oh, mom left the hospital in her pre-pregnancy genes. And, you know, it's very almost hypocritical or contradictory. It's like, oh, you're, don't worry, you're nurturing a life. You're bringing a new life into the world. You, You focus on eating good food and don't worry if you gain weight. Oh, but the second that that new life is in the universe, just go back to what you were doing before and get skinny as soon as possible.
1: Did you experience that? Of course, yeah. it's it's to me it's pretty much mental torture for new moms, and um, the pressure I felt to look good quickly after was intense. Um, the pressure I put on myself i I don't know if others around me had that expectation, but I felt like they did, and for me, that's just not the way it went. And there's also something else at that time that happens to new moms that I think I personally think is very destructive and I wish people would stop saying it, which is, oh, well, you'll nurse your baby and if you breastfeed, you'll lose all that weight I've right away. I've heard that before. Breastfeeding makes you lose all this weight right away and uh, you're not even going to be able to keep it on. It's going to melt away and you're going to be able to eat whatever you want. And it's repeated over and over and over. And and, and so that was my expectation. And it wasn't like that for me. And what I what I know now is it's not the breastfeeding that makes you lose weight. Maybe, I think it does for some. I think it does for some. I think some people's bodies, that's how they react. I think other people's bodies, they really hold on to weight when they're nursing, which is what happens for me and i think for some others you think you're just losing all this weight because you just gave birth to the baby and so naturally uh your uterus oh. is is returning to the size that it was before and you're sl- you know slowly losing weight and um and so i think it's a combination of all these things and i think it's different for everyone and i think repeating that and repeating that to new moms is is very destructive yeah
0: that's so true though because you're naturally going to be losing some weight or your stomach is at least going to be going down. That's like the way that old wives tales are formed, though, is like enough people start saying it and then suddenly it's what we think is true, which is like it, it applies to diet culture in general. Like I just certain things that I hear people say, like it's bad to eat and then lie down. Like I've heard so many people say that why your digestive system works differently when it's horizontal than when it's vertical like that's not really the way the body works but it's like I can't argue with every single individual person who says stupid shit like I can't that's not my job and it's like I was talking about it on the podcast and I'm not going to go into too much detail but there was like A comment thread for this podcast. And people were saying, you know, like, well, I think this is interesting, but I don't really agree with it because intuitive eating doesn't work if you're obese. Because if you're obese, then your intuition tells you to eat more food than you need and like all this garbage and nonsense. And I have to separate myself and be like, they have to be them and you get to be you. And you get to live a more enriching life knowing the truths that you know and maybe they never will and that's unfortunate but it's not your job to educate everyone yeah we do we need to wrap up because the baby's crying but I could talk for another hour but unfortunately we can't so do you have any closing thoughts uh, I guess I uh, – yeah, I have a lot more thoughts, but – um, Well, I'll have you on again. Yeah. I'll have you on any – it's like it means I have to do less
1: work, so. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I definitely have, you know, more thoughts about, you know, the post-pregnancy topic we were talking about and just – um, yeah, when you say, you know, what has changed since then, I really – would say you know with my after my first pregnancy I raced to get back you know back in my jeans back down to size and whatever I perceived as you know back
0: and stroller pilates and that yeah stroller kickboxing
1: all of that stuff (laughs) and stroller tai chi (laughs) yes all of that stuff and um get
0: you a stroller that can do both. Sorry, I'm distracting you.
1: That's okay. It's yeah. <laughs> Running strollers. Yeah, the whole the all of it and and it definitely took away from me being able to enjoy that time. And so the second time around, I I tried not to worry as much, but it was very hard and it's only over time, and I hope it will grow more and more with time that I I can just appreciate more what my body does and what it did rather than what it looks like at any given time. And I think I think I achieved that somewhat after my second pregnancy, but I definitely always am striving to learn more and and embrace it more and more. Um, But it's hard. Yeah. Well, you still look fucking fire that's nice of you to say
0: (laughs) no seriously you look 20 years younger than you actually are which is saying a lot because you're 37 so that's (laughs) I only wish that I if I have a child one day that I look half as beautiful as you as a mother
1: I love you I love you too that's so nice
0: thank you for having me on thank you for coming on now another one, but it's the dust. (laughs) Uh, I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with my sister, Melissa. Like I said, we could have gone on longer. We barely scratched the surface on the childhood stuff and we kind of got into the motherhood stuff, but then the freaking baby woke up. So uh, I had to go tend to the baby. But like I said, that's just the reality of being a working mom. You have to wear many hats and... Work within a very strict schedule and uh, it be like that sometimes. But I am going to have her back on again purely because it was so much fun. And I would love to hear your questions. And yeah, I hope you all have a fabulous week. Stay away from diet culture, it is the fucking devil. And stay positive. Just say some nice shit to yourself this week. Look in the mirror and flex that ass and give it a smack and say, Hey ass, I love you. You're fucking bomb and you're hot as hell. And that's it. Peace.